the Yak Babies. Sex, Presidents, and Sometimes Books. Welcome to Yak Babies, only podcast on the internet sponsored by The Bible for Computers and God Said Let There Be Beep Boop. My name is Aaron here at Personal Pals Brick. Hello. And calling from Old Ireland, Old Irish Nico. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like there was a better punchline there somewhere. Yeah. yeah right. Instead of like zero one, zero zero well, one. Well, true. Yes, true. you're right. Just about all the time. Yeah, accurate for, I'd say, the entire podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, Brick, let me ask you a question. Is it a is it a question are you asking me, bro to bro, or just in general? I'm asking you yak to yak, so a separate a, a separate situation. You know, we have yeah. this friend Nico, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the, you know this guy. Would you be surprised <laughs> to learn this guy has been listening to master classes from various writers and taking notes? I would not be surprised. Me either, Nico. You have been doing this, correct? Mm-hmm. Well. Pretty sure I know the we're, flavor of these notes as well. Yeah, exactly. That's that's, that's <laughs> what I'm getting at. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's back up. Hang on. So a while yeah. ago, we were talking about swimming the pond in the rain, <laughs> and I asked you guys for your hottest yeah. writing yeah, hot totally. takes, and you utterly failed. Utterly I weren't even failed. about writing. <laughs> yeah, you had like a couple of political hot takes that were like Donald Trump is bad. <laughs> And you guys had yeah. nothing to say about writing that was in any way controversial. So I started collecting these from the master classes. And they they run the gamut from lukewarm to pretty piping hot. Uh, and these are, these are... These are takes from these master class givers. Yeah. The masters themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I've been taking, I, I've been taking a lot of these master classes. There's kind of a, a, a two schools of master class. There is the <laughs> famous person who just talks about whatever they want, like Aaron Sorkin, uh, R.L. Stein, And then there's like the the knockoff masterclass where it's just like some guy teaches you how to write a Wait, novel. Wait, Which is pretty weird. And that's Steve Alcorn. Yeah. It's like, right, they're writers, but they're writers you've never heard of. And they just tell, and they tell you like, here's what a plot is, okay. which is weird. I'm done. I'm, I've done a couple of those. I'm not going to do them anymore. <laughs> but anyway. So let's start with R.L. Stein because I think you guys will be particularly interested in. I don't know how how much you guys know about R.L. Stein. Uh, I know that he wrote a scary kid jokes book and a bunch of goosebumps. Yeah. And yeah. So he and is an Easter egg in Wheel of yeah, Fortune. Yeah. He is the writer of the hundred one ghost jokes. Yes. Or not? Not maybe not literally, but that was literally his job was to write. He did joke books for kids. Yeah. He literally wrote hundred one scary jokes for kids. Yeah. Yeah. So we we picked. So you're saying we picked the wrong. Book. We we did pick the wrong book. Yes. Yeah, but the and right book also he we, is. So we we ranked the knockoff. Yeah. How do you rate the letter? <laughs> no. Yeah. No. He he is that writer. Right. Like he is that cheesy that cornball, and and like uh, I I was looking on his Twitter. His Twitter is just like ghost jokes. <laughs> yes. Oh, basically, it's I'm ghost jokes right now. Ghost yeah. jokes level jokes. Um, and so, uh, so, so let's see, here are a few of his hot takes, uh, from his class. He's also like 79 years old. Wait, are these, these are his hot takes or your hot takes about what he says? No, his hot takes. These are all from the people. These are, these are quotes are pretty close to quotes. Uh, so he says that you don't need to write anything from the heart. 
he says he's written 400 books and none of them have been from the heart. <laughs> what do you guys think about that one? I mean, well, agree, so disagree. Wait, hang on. What's the, what is the framing of this class? Um, it's just like, I, I don't I don't agree with that statement either way, but like the kind of information or the kind of advice I would want from RL Stein is different mm-hmm. than like, like, is it about how to write like factory produced consumable books for six year olds? Because that's six to 14 year olds. Cause that's yeah. what he does. Right. So like, yeah, yeah. Like I don't, I'm not going to read a bunch of goosebumps as a kid, but like that dude figured out the fucking formula of shit that little children like to read. So like, is, is that the, I mean, most of these, <laughs> so most of these classes are like, they're, they're relatively specific. Like RL Stein is I think like how to write for kids, but they're, but they're also generalized. They're, they're like, Hey, I've gotcha. s- basically, basically the masterclass people are like, I'm super successful. Right. I'm going to tell you what I think yeah. my process is. Some of it... These, these guys bought my name and I'm going to rant. Yeah. Uh, either way, uh, maybe especially if you're writing for children, you should write from the from the heart. Yeah, yeah. and so, maybe care about something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although it does he doesn't track. care about anything. <clears throat> it's wild. Like, thinking about yeah. the Goosebumps books I read, like, none of them were heartfelt. <laughs> like, they're all just, like, no. little premises. Yeah, and, like, little, like, yeah. of, like, you want to be scared by a vampire here. Yeah. He also says that each book is one idea, and he only works on one idea at a time. <laughs> Wait, he, what does that mean? He, like one idea. Like each book is just so. Literally, he says he says he comes up with an interesting title and then writes the entire book based on the title. So, so one of them is uh, he came up with the phrase "say cheese and die" yeah. and then wrote a book about a haunted camera. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I think that's yeah. I think that's good advice for writing what he wrote yeah. right like because kids don't want anna karenina they want a fucking yeah. slightly elaborated joke and, that has other yeah. kids characters that are not complicated like kids want a cardboard experience because they're learning to read yeah it's also not a bad idea i don't think like even for like uh, as a way to get right. started writing something coming up with a weird like title or and seeing what happens to it is not a terrible idea you want it to evolve, hopefully, but I kind of like the idea of just like yeah. a weird joke and then a hundred one scary kid joke that turns into a book fucking rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that. There's that part in Arrested Development where Michael is like rambling yeah. to Charlize Theron's character, which you know, obviously that stuff gets a little cringy, but uh, where he just rattles off like how you know adults are stuck in a state of Arrested Development, and then Ron Howard's like, "Hey, that's the name <laughs> of the show." And, like, when I was a kid, like, that's what I wanted to read in a Goosebumps book. Like, I was just reading for the part where, like, oh, look, they said say cheese and die. Yeah. Right? Like, it really is. It is. Dummy. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I'm serious, yeah, though, I'm right? Scared. Like, that's all you yeah. wanted out of those. Yeah. He's he's just completely insane. He he got the, uh, the name Goosebumps from a Halloween ad. He just, like. It's like okay, that's a good name. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. <laughs> he got he has an entire series called Mostly Ghostly that he also that he got from a, a sign at Walmart. Let's <laughs> go. Yeah. I mean, the dude clearly like works incredibly hard. He's written four hundred books. Yeah. He he does like he has this very specific process where he writes an, an extensive outline and then just follows it, right, fills it in. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah fills it in yeah um, it's like one step you know. above l ron hubbard like that's like a, a amphetamine binge away from hubbard style just like write it mm. see what happens yeah yeah don't think twice and then he also he said that this, this is a reported conversation between ken follett and somebody who like a literary author and uh uh ken was saying that it's important to consider what your reader wants to get out of book and to give it to them and the literary author is like, I never consider the reader. I, I don't think about them at all. I write what I want to write. And Ken Follett said, that's why you're a really good writer. And that's why I'm rich. This is R.L. Stein reporting this conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do think that's that's interesting, though, because I, I think there's a lot of a lot of writers that don't consider the reader at all. Yeah. And that's just not even part of their process. But I wouldn't tie that as much to a divide between genre and literary as Ken Follett's doing there. Like, I think that's, you can mm-hmm. find plenty of literary writers who do think of audience and, and genres who don't, right. but yeah, I do see yeah. the, the connection there. I see, I see what they're trying to say. Yeah. I think, I think the connection is more popularity right. versus genre right. and how, you know, yeah. How, how satisfying your books are to other people <laughs> besides right. yourself. Right. right. All right. So why don't we go to everybody's favorite, uh, Trump supporter David Mamet. Oh, Wait, we're done with our all time. We should, should judge. We... That's it. Yeah, we should okay. judge it or yeah, like which... decide if we would. Ooh. Which which was your take, take that? Which was your hottest hot take? Which one do you disagree with the most? I don't, there was... I don't think any of those. You don't, don't have think to. Any of those were that hot. I I didn't agree with the heart one, but also like this guy's writing from a like industrialized writing stamp like i don't even he's a 1960s yeah he's the typewriter james patterson of yeah of uh middle schoolers yeah Yeah, (laughs) or like i mean he writes he writes kids books like i imagine charles schultz wrote comic strips where he's like i got the thing i need to get one done by sunday like here we go right that's offensive to charles schultz (laughs) (laughs) i don't i don't think so really i mean (laughs) yeah why? There's definitely there's so much more heart in peanuts than there is in goosebumps. I don't know, man. I I never liked goosebumps about that much, mm. but like the like, kids of our generation, a lot of kids like in or and around our generation like really fondly remember those books and just because I wouldn't say there's no heart in goosebumps. I I don't think that's true. Mm. I think there I mean he, he would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But like Maybe heart's not the right word. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not that cynical, right? They're like, not cynical. It's a, it's a thing. They're yeah. just—they definitely are doing the job. Whereas I see peanuts as more a personal expression of what Schultz was found interesting about the world. <laughs> Maybe for the first twenty years, at some okay, point, sure. right? Yeah. Like, if you said Jim Davis, yeah. I would, I would say yes. Okay, fine. Yeah, Jim <laughs> yeah, Davis. Jim Davis. Yeah. Yep. Right. Fuck same, that same guy. Yeah. So I think we. But we should decide it. I, I would listen to this masterclass. I would yeah, the decision should be, I'm should interested. we enroll? Do, do we want to enroll in a full semester of a course taught by Arl Stein? And I'm saying yes. Yeah, I think the decision should be, should Nico give us his password? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's already expired. Sorry. <laughs> I want to learn joke writing from Arl Stein. I want to learn how to write those 101 kid jokes. And then. Oh, my God. Can... That is a horror book to me. That's a horror premise. Being stuck in his class oh, yeah. and getting taught joke writing. Just being like, what the fuck? You experienced that taste of it recently Sounds with great. the 101 Ghost Jokes Ranked episode. Yeah. Which you oh, my God. Uh, see, so now I'm, I'm wondering. Like, yeah. we, we took the. But we were we were doing the off brand one, true. man. We you know we 
We started our cereal podcast by reviewing Malto Meal. We can't do that. <laughs> well, that gives us a good premise for a sequel, then. We're going to go back. We a do-over, yeah. yeah. Let's do it again. 101 Scary yeah. Jokes for Kids. Oh, God. All right, it's your round two. Oh, God. All right, so everybody's famous Trump supporter, David Mamet, who just came out and said a whole bunch of crazy shit, which actually which, which makes sense because, like, in this class, he was – clearly like kind of a little bit almost giddy about uh about the 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 plays that he's written that have been controversial so he's an asshole but here we go so he says let's start with this one he says aristotle says character is just habitual action there is no no more to a character other than we what we see them do you can't characterize them by saying she's the kind of woman who who cares uh also it's a lie uh, and we know it's a lie because anybody you meet at a party who says, let me tell you a few things about myself, whatever comes next is going to be a lie. They don't know anything about themselves. They might have a fiction, but they're speaking in order to manipulate us in order to sidestep our process of observation. Hmm. <laughs> I, I think part part of the key to this is that he's a screenwriter. And so hmm. there's not there's not any part like he's he is there. There is no point to a character telling you about themselves in the way that there is maybe with the novelist who can tell you about a character in a way that's not a performance. Yeah. The way that a character telling you about themselves is a performance. Yeah. That first person. Yeah. First person trap. Yeah. That they're inherently unreliable to a certain extent. Well, that and they're like, I'm walking down the hallway and I feel yeah. angry, right? Because right, I that yeah, I'm not sure I can go as far as the no one knows about themselves. <laughs> that seems like a little too far for me. Mm-hmm. Like right. you might not know, yeah, what others perceive you as, but you know what you perceive yourself as, and there is truth in that, whether it's the right the, like, ultimate truth or not. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, and I I think his point is more that there's a difference between the guy who says that he's very brave and the guy who runs into a fire to like save a mm, you know right. a, a baby or something right. like and one of them is is to him more true than the other one yeah and the guy who says he's brave might not be the same guy who who runs into a fire right right but the guy who runs into the fire could also just be an idiot like could just be like someone who like doesn't experience pain and can't make critical judgment and so just does things yeah. without acting that's not necessarily bravery that's just whatever yeah true true and truthful yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. okay what else yeah so here's another one and it's also shared it's a it's an opinion kind of shared by aaron sorkin so i'll, I'll read you both of these so the david mamet version is the lines on the page create the illusion that there's something behind them and that we can grasp it but it doesn't exist what we're creating is an illusion and that Aaron Sorkin kind of take on it is you don't need to write your characters' childhoods or their food preferences or anything that doesn't appear on the page. It doesn't matter what they whether they liked ice cream when they're five because they were never five. They popped into existence when they appeared in your screenplay. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do tend to agree with that. I think at yeah. least partly. I could... yeah, I don't, I don't know that I do. But tell us more. Well, I don't think I think you. I think it comes down to skill. Like, I think you need to have a full picture of your character, right? And that doesn't mean they are real, right? But I think you, I think a character in order to be dimensional needs to also be dimensional in the author's 
you know, and this, you know, this comes down to like when we were talking whenever about some authors write 300,000 words and cut them down to 120,000, right? I think those 100, 180,000 words that got cut are still important because they play into how the author is envisioning whatever, whatever their, their thing is, right? And the backstory of a character doesn't matter if it doesn't matter to the story, right? But if a character isn't fully... Because there's so many pieces that that make up a personality, right? And it's not just what we look like and what we right. do, right? And a good author will find ways to bring in more characterization that colors that that depiction without without drawing a highlighter over mm. everything, right? So no, I don't think you need to write a novella in your brain for every character <clears throat> that goes. But if the character only serves the purpose of the story, it's generally a bad character, in my mm. opinion. Nico, what's your take on that? Yeah. I think that I, I think that it is mostly like what is not on the page is mostly important just to the writer to be able to put that yeah. stuff on the page. Right. And I think it is helpful to kind of puncture the the, the bubble of like uh, your characters really exist and they need to be uh, three dimensional and all this shit. And it's like, well, I don't <clears throat> like I don't think it matters what. You, you know, like some some writing books will tell you, write a little Bible about each of your characters. I think that's unhelpful because I think it's also if you're going to have that that much detail in a character, like it's I think it's unhelpful to do it before you write the book, because mm-hmm. then they're going to yeah. act in a specific way that might not be what you really need for your story. And you might need to be a little more mercenary with your characters mm-hmm. and the situations you put yeah, or be on. willing to change it. Right. Right. But then, you know. That's that's you know goes to it being an illusion and there and the you know kind of behind the screen being a set you know yeah is it being an illusion a hot take that just I think obviously it's an illusion it's fiction uh, yeah but I think there's a lot of people who you know who say like oh my characters started do it like I wanted them to do this and then they decided to do that it's like no they didn't like you you need to those people just idiots though right you you wrote it yeah I mean I think it it makes sense to me but I think that there is kind of a strong sense where like in order to create a really good uh work of writing then you have to you have to you know make it true or make it real or something like that and it's just not I, I I also don't think it's necessary to aim for that because I think it can be like you know a painting is a painting you know a novel is a novel they're not real people and I think it's 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 helpful to understand that without like dis it doesn't diminish the the work that you're doing to to acknowledge that it's not it's not real it's not true it's it might be saying something eloquent but it's not it's not like uh art is not truth yeah and that's like the like the robe grier new novel thing where it's like this is about the form of novel and not about storytelling it's like you can have a chapter that's just looking at a spider walking up a wall talking about it 19 different times and it never changes and never goes anywhere it's just a spider on the wall over and over and over and over and over and the idea is just like you're reading this right now you the reader are reading this book written by me alan will create think about that <laughs> uh versus like the illusion of this was a real person that lived a life that we're trying to right. those two obviously very different ways to approach writing a book um and they have their own merits but yeah i can see the 
the benefit of doing that in your head and not putting in the text. And I do think that also is a the take that comes from someone who is an older writer who's been doing it forever. Like Mamet and Sorkin have both written so much stuff that now they probably have internalized mm-hmm. that part and they can do those things that are kind of more prep in their head and kind of do those shortcuts. Whereas a younger writer would probably still need to kind of craft the path a little bit. I think it, it also just depends on the writer because I didn't, yeah, I sure. didn't put any Judy Bloom hot takes in here, but I did awesome. watch the Judy Bloom class and she is someone who fully believes her own bullshit like she does not think she does not plot she does not do any of that she comes up with characters and like watches what they do or whatever and does all that kind of shit and like you know just describes the reality of her of her fictional world and i think that's a a less reproducible way to go about probably so about writing i think I think I know how Nico felt on the rabbit episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here's here's uh the the last one I'll do and uh, for Mamet or from the last person for The last one okay. for at least, you know, for for this episode okay. anyway. This is the last of the really good hot oh, takes, yeah. I think. Uh from Walter Mosley, who's very much yeah. in the same vein as these guys, like these kind of, you know, production yeah. oriented guys. Like I think he's read 60 novels and he started when he was like 45. So, and he also works in TV and screenwriting. Like he's so, but I think this is probably the spiciest take of the, of the day. Uh, you don't need to be a reader to be a writer. People on the street who've never read a book can tell great stories. If you can tell a joke, you can tell a story. How do you start the letter? <laughs> yeah, that's, Hmm. I don't know. I don't know about that one. <laughs> well, I I think I, I obviously I don't agree with that, but I, I think the conf, the problem there is conflating a writer with a storyteller, hmm. right? Where like I think if you're talking yeah. about a story, I think that's true, yeah. right? I think there's probably some very excellent storytellers that are not good writers, right? And to that degree, I would agree. But when but the, translating that to writing is an entirely separate skill. Right, which which is kind of the Judy Bloom thing as well, right? What she's describing is her imagination, but she doesn't know. Yeah, <laughs> she she's leaving out the craft part, right? right? Where like, like if the way that you write a book is by thoroughly imagining all this shit and then letting your mind wander and then describing what your imagination did, like that's not a that's not a wrong way to write a book. Yeah, but to to then be like then be like, well, finished product, like that's not that's not right, right? You still have to craft it. You still have to write mm-hmm. it. You still have to work with work with the words and to leave that part out or to somehow conflate yeah. that uh that's i don't agree with that part. well i think there are some writers and i think judy bloom is one of them who have kind of a an, an almost unconscious skill in that area that they don't fully understand and that they they can't fully describe and they just have like a good whatever you want to call it like a good sense of story and they have a good like they just have the the part of their brain that says that answers the questions like should this character do this or do this works well works better than mm. automatic than it's other automatic. than other yep. people's and but also it's that's been trained to, right that's the yeah. other thing too is it's been honed over time with practice and yeah. like woodshedding like you have to go do it over and over again to get that you know yeah. yes there probably is some like inha- inherent talent too but like it's also it comes from just like fucking doing it yeah yeah i i agree with with brick about the walter mosley thing i think i think yeah the people who can tell great stories who've never read a book 
probably listen to a shitload of stories. And they, right. they yeah. learn that from somewhere. That's, yes. And they can reproduce that. But in order to write a book, you probably need to read books. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Like, I don't think you could sh- uh, take someone who was a gifted oral storyteller uh, and say, okay, write that down exactly as you told it to me and then read it and be like, this rules. It'd be like, well, this yeah. probably is better when spoken. Like, it's like yeah. when you write down jokes sometimes, like a stand-up comedian, you write down the bit and you're like, well, this yeah. probably is funnier if you see it. And yeah. it's like, yeah, because it relies on performance and oral storytelling is a whole different animal. I feel like there's a lot of shitty memoirs where like, that's the problem, yeah, right? Where sure. like, you probably have a pretty engaging story to tell people at a dinner party and like your situation is mildly interesting or unique or whatever else. But when you write <laughs> it down, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, hire a ghostwriter or something. I, I don't know, but that's what I read about or heard about, um, Brian Cox's memoir that came out, uh, maybe a couple months ago. Why would you want to read Brian Cox? The actor? Yeah. He released a memoir and the, the big sell was like, like he's telling stories like he's naming names and he's like a cranky irascible guy obviously a great actor and it's just like at the point of his career he doesn't give a shit anymore and he's like letting it all go out but what i've best part of super troopers <laughs> best part of most movies he's in no. but what i've read i haven't read it but i've heard people talk about it and what i've whatever the takes i've read is that he probably is really fun to hear tell stories but written down it's like well this kind of sucks like it's not doesn't have the same life on the page as it does coming mm-hmm. from his voice. And if you listen to the audiobook, it has more of that verve. But yeah. like on the page, it's not quite. Same with Mel Brooks's memoir. I heard the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think Nico's point is really well taken, which is that any talent or anything you're sort of doing is coming from some experience of some kind and some sort of text you're consuming as an example or model or template, uh, whether that's written in a book or, or given to you, you know, from experience or whatever. If the point Mosley is making is that, you need not be a lit mm-hmm. major to be a writer. Then the answer is yes, of course. But I think that's not, if that's what he's trying to say that he said it poorly. I think there is, mm-hmm. yeah, there is yeah. a certain amount of, and it may be to, to kind of give him, I don't know. I don't want to say the benefit of the doubt because he's obviously <laughs> incredibly successful and prolific writer, but um, yeah. to, to, to take a more, you don't, you don't need to, subscribe to all of the uh all of the kind of the forms and the cultural norms of books right. that you read and you don't need to do everything that you see in 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 published books in order to get published i think there is a lot of room for like outsider hopefully i don't know about the yeah. publishing industry but i would yeah. be interested in a lot of people who didn't do things in the same way and had more original ideas. Right. I think that's why there's a lot more like, you know, a lot more emphasis on non-white male writing these days is because those those things are get subsumed into the culture so much that it becomes monotonous and there's a lot of yeah. benefit from having other voices. So I would say that's that's kind of like what he's what he means is that like, you know, you don't Right. Uh, you don't need to write like everybody else, which is totally true. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think a lot of, you know, the process of getting better as a writer is to look at all these writers that have done things and see what you agree with that they've done and why you agree with it and to mm. reject the things that yeah. you don't agree with and be able to say why. And I think a lot of people just don't, right. don't do that. They just either accept. And sometimes it's hard, you know, to, 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 to question that kind right. of the basis of the things that you've kind of 
intuited for just from existing in the culture. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's judge Mamet. Would you take, would you sign up for a one semester course on learning writing from Mamet? I'm going to say no, because I wouldn't it be would be tough nowadays. Yeah. Not post. It would be post his yeah, horrible. It would be no, the worst he, experience. He was <laughs> one of the, the most entertaining, like actual speakers. He's completely insane too. He's like, he's like Carl yeah. Stein, but he has a lot more energy. Yeah. There's, I mean, these guys are just fucking lunatics because, like, you know, they they all make, you know, have I'm sure they have hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're like, fuck it, I don't give a shit. Yeah. Do you see that thing that he Mamet filed an amicus brief in that lawsuit, the Texas social media law, and it's like a short story. <laughs> what a prick. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> David Mamet is known for plays like Glengarry Glen Ross and Speed the Plow, films like The Spanish Prisoner and Heist, books like On Directing Film and The Wicked Sun. And as of last week, a short story about a lost airplane pilot fil- filed as a legal brief supporting social media regulation in Texas. So he's like mad about conservatives being canceled on Twitter and Facebook. And so he filed an amicus brief that's like this weird meandering story about a pilot and a map. Uh, it's just like, <laughs> what a fucking prick. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's such an asshole. He's an asshole. God, but I mean, he does make for a for an entertaining masterclass. Cause he is sure. like he d- fucking yeah. draws this thing on the on this board and then just gets completely lost in it for like twenty minutes. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> He's like, so here's the action, and then you're they're in the car, and then <laughs> going from like the whole the whole spatial aspect is just. Lunacies. <laughs> and would we sign up for a one semester course for Walter Mosley? I'm gonna say yeah. Yeah, this is probably pretty interesting. He might also be a difficult person, but it'd be yeah, that sounds better. Yeah, he was he was pretty interesting. Sorkin was was really good too. Oh yeah, I would probably yeah. do that. He seems like an asshole as well, but he's not he's yeah, not much of an asshole. Bad. At least you know okay, the way good. he acts. A lot of his <laughs> if you're not his wife, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I just started the Alan Moore one, and he is a complete maniac too. Yeah, complete. Looking forward to the to the hot takes on that one. Maniac. the The first one yeah. is uh, that writing can uh, change the world literally, like a magic spell. Oh, yeah. literally, like a literal magic spell. And he's like, the the techniques of writing and the techniques of magic are the same, and they can be interchanged. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing. Grant Morrison too. That's Luke Warmit. Luke Warmit. I mean, I get, but not the literal part. <laughs> part. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. You know, language can change your brain and your perception of the world. But he's no, he means like a book can call into being, like the <laughs> yeah. Grant Morrison made a put insert a sigil into his comic, The Invisibles, because it was uh, being threatened with cancellation. Because the readership was low. And so he put a sigil into it and told readers to concentrate on it while they jerked off. And that the energy <laughs> from that would cause it to not be canceled. And it didn't get canceled. And he was like, yeah, it worked. Magic. <laughs> and he, one of the characters in Invisibles is based on him. This character, King Mob. And he wrote a story where King Mob gets this like flesh-eating virus. And then Grant Morrison got it. And he was like, this is like, I've, I've got too far into my fictional world. I have to get out. And like he had to save his character and save himself at the same time. He was like almost died from this like flesh eating bacteria. Holy thing. shit! Does he have a master? Yeah, class? Fully... <laughs> not that I know of, but it, once he does, it's got to be common. Yeah. Uh, he does have a Substack that I have resisted okay. for my previous Substack reasons, but I probably should scrap that yeah. one too. So I'm sure there's good stuff in there. Yeah, 
I'm gonna once the semester's over, I'm gonna I'm gonna dig into the Alan Moore thing yeah. too, so we can maybe do a collabo yeah. on that one because I wanna I wanna do. I it I, I mean half of the uh, half of the appeal is just seeing these people like talk because they're also such fucking weirdos. Yeah, Alan Moore has that really deep like northern accent. Such like a he... weird accent. Yeah, in yeah. my mind. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's really good, and everything is a question. It's like his his way of right, speaking right. is insane too. All right, this is part one of the masterclass hot takes. Uh, listeners, look forward to part two because this is good stuff. Tell us your hot takes for these masterclasses or your thoughts on these these spiels. Let us know on Twitter at yakbabies. You can email us at yakbabiespodcast at gmail.com Those thoughts too. And then if you want to know more about these ghost shows, go to patreon.com slash yakbabies where you can get access to our bonus podcast for $1 a month. You can get all kinds of jokes and fun, but especially our secret podcast, 101 Ghost Jokes Ranked, where we went through 101 Ghost Jokes, actually more than that, and a lot of them weren't ghost jokes, and ranked them in order of funniness and and had many a hot take of our own there as well. So go check that out and see what we're talking about and, uh, and enjoy it. And then our merch, tinyurl.com slash yakbabies, where we have t-shirts and mugs and fun designs by Brick. They're all good and cool and worth your dollar. Until then, Yak Babies, yakking off. The Yak Babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael. Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, Gilbert, and William Howard Taft. Oh.